So for the last few weeks, since my stern telling off, I've been saying I'm working on my reading speed and I've been committing more time to reading. And as such, I have noticed quite an improvement in my reading speed without even trying. Hello, writers, and welcome to the Writer's Mindset podcast with me, Christina Adams. And me, Ellie Betts. We're bringing you all the knowledge and techniques you need to achieve your writing goals. Whether you want to be a number one bestseller or make a living writing what you love, we've got you covered. It's time for practical tips, hard truths and tough love, but in the very best of ways. Do you love the podcast? You can support us over on Patreon for less than your favourite coffee per month. As part of our writing community, you'll get to listen to new episodes early, enjoy bonus episodes, and take part in patron-only writing workshops whenever we hit our income goals. Sounds like a bargain to me. Yep, our first live workshop when we hit enough patrons to buy a domain name will be on getting focused. Focus during your writing sessions and deciding which idea you should be focusing on right now. Which is one of the big problems we see a lot, right? It is, and that's why we chose it. If you like the sounds of that, visit writerscookbook.com forward slash support. How's your writing been going this week then, Ellie? Writing, well, I've been a bit busy this week with kind of life stuff, so I haven't written as much as I normally would or as much as I would have liked, but I am still working on the short film script. It is coming together slowly, slowly, but we're getting there and I'm really enjoying it. What about you? What have you been up to? I'm easing myself back into writing fiction again because I've pretty much been editing non-stop since maybe February. Actually, since I did the first draft of Hollywood Destiny back in the middle to end of January. And so I know that like 5,000 words at the moment per day is incomprehensible. And I don't want to push myself to do that when I need more energy to edit and actually finish things because I find that more draining. And also, like I said before, I don't enjoy that part of the process, but I enjoy sharing books with readers and I enjoy the writing. So I need to just force myself through that part. And so I'm doing little bits on Hollywood Heartbreak right now, which is the fifth book in the series. And it's really weird because it's the first time I've written a book with an overlap. And this book overlaps with what happens in New York, what happens in London and possibly return in Barcelona as well. So it covers quite a big time span. And it's been, like I say, it's a really weird process because I'm going back through stuff I wrote five years ago. And I was like, oh, I forgot that. I forgot that. Oh, that's useful. I can use that. And it's just weird and obviously you want to make sure in the overlap scenes that the dialogue is the same but the inner monologue is different and that's what makes it feel new and I find myself bizarrely typing out the dialogue that already exists rather than copy and pasting it I'm like why am I doing this to myself why am I making more work for myself sucker for punishment I don't know what do you like I know but I it's I, I my plan is to write the last two books in the series back to back because I I probably know where the split is going to be, but I want to keep my options open. So if I write them back to back, I've got a better feel for what will work. And if there is enough story and it's split in the right way, because at the moment it kind of feels like one story has more going on than the other. And I don't want that. And I don't want to feel like I've rushed any plot points either. And then there's also the point about balancing the overlap, because there are some things that happen to Tate and Jack that are explored in the holly and faith books already 
there will be spoilers in the Hollywood series for the what happens in the series, but not the other way around generally. And it is a tiny bit of a mindfuck. I'm not going to lie. You've not made this easy for yourself, have you? I mean, my first series had four points of view. I don't do things by halves, do I? <laughs> Where's the fun in doing things by halves, right? <laughs> That's true. Writers, if you do have any recommendations for me of books or book series with overlaps, I'd be really intrigued, particularly if they are contemporary literature or romance. Although I'm open to all genres, I just want something that's not written like it's academic. I like things that are easy to read. I'm proud of the fact I like easy to read and I write that. I do not want to drain my brain from reading something that's meant to be fun. So yeah, do let me know if you have any recommendations. They are hugely appreciated during my research slash writing time. The big question this week then is, can you reprogram your brain for success? I didn't know this actually until recently, but your brain will believe what you tell it to. So if you repeatedly tell it you can't do something, it will believe you. But likewise, if you tell it that you can do something, it'll be like, yeah, yeah, I've got this, I'm awesome. Because your brain can't differentiate between what is real and what is not. So the more you say something, the more it believes it. That's not just related to writing then. That can help in almost every aspect of your life. Yeah, exactly. When you commit to changing your perspective, you see the world completely differently and start to notice different things. You might notice more content writing jobs or more articles noticing how, how wide publishing works. I always talk about the learner driver analogy. I, you know me in cars, I have to bring them in. When I first started learning to drive, I suddenly saw learner driver cars everywhere and I had never noticed them for 17 years of my life. But as soon as I became part of that group, I started to see them everywhere. And when you identify as a part of a group, you will start to pick it out more and notice things much more. And also when you actively commit to something, it affects both the outside world and also how you feel. I started publishing articles on my content writing blog, which is christinaprofit.com. If you want to check it out, profit with two F's and two T's. That's my real name. Adams is my pen name. And I was writing about script writing, particularly scripts for businesses. And it attracted people who needed script writing skills and were interested in the fact that I have a creative writing background. And I remember a couple of weeks ago, Ellie, you kept saying, I'm not a fast reader. And I may have shouted at you a little bit for it. Um, for all our writers, Christina told me off in no uncertain terms <laughs> because I was telling myself I'm a slow reader but I've been telling myself I was a slow reader for years and I was in the wrong mindset basically I needed to follow my own advice and not tell myself I'd been defeated effectively before I even start so for the last few weeks since my stern telling off I've been saying I'm working on my reading speed and I've been committing more time to reading and as such I have noticed quite an improvement in my reading speed without even trying just by telling myself that it's improving and giving myself time to do that I have noticed that it has increased and like the other night I was reading a book obviously a book <laughs> and I uh could have been I read... his article could have been, it could have been article, article or something I try to read books in bed. I think it's it helps my brain. But yes, yeah, so I was reading a book the other night and I ended up reading 80 odd pages without even trying. And it felt like I was flying through them as I was reading. It felt like I was constantly turning the page. Do you feel like you're still retaining the information and understanding what you read, even though you're going through it faster? Definitely. Definitely. I'm not skim reading. Um, the reason I always said I was a slow reader is because I felt like I was reading it at the same speed I would say it. And it feels like I 
have gotten a little faster than that, but I, I'm not taking in any less and I'm not reading sort of not as well, if you see what I mean. It, it's still just as good. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. When I was telling myself it was possible to change it rather than telling myself I was slow, that changed my subconscious, right? Yeah. And also you were making time for it and making more of a priority. And so that does give you more opportunity to grow. And like I said, once you commit to doing something, your subconscious looks for all these people, resources and situations that can help you achieve your goal. And sometimes you just need someone to point out something about your mindset and how it might be detrimental to you. Like how I said to you, stop saying you're a slow reader because it will make you a slow reader. She told me off. She told me off hard. Did it not work? It worked. I, I generally speaking, I appreciate your tellings off um, because they're normally right. <laughs> well, I'm not that mean. You make uh, we're making me out to be really evil right now. No, no. I think we're both good at giving each other that little metaphorical slap to say, "Oi, stop doing that," you know. And we pull each other out of those kind of negative mindsets sometimes, don't we? Pulling yourself out of your own head, which we've discussed before, I think, can be really important, and it can be key sometimes to retraining your brain as well. And also a reminder of why you're doing something. Like I know some people, they look at people who are publishing and doing really well from their writing and they have fewer qualifications or less experience. And they're like, well, if this person is doing it, why can't I? And it's true. You know, it's not necessarily about how much, how many qualifications you have or what experience you have. It's about how much work you're willing to put in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hard work and elbow grease goes a long way. What are the best techniques you would say then for reprogramming your brain? The main thing I would say is to declutter your brain. The more you write down, the more space your brain has. And this is why I don't understand people who are like, I don't plot and then have the entire plot of their six book series inside their head. Like that is a lot of congestion in your brain and you have got a lot of room that could be freed up if you just write it down and then there's no risk of you forgetting anything but also you have more space in your mind to problem solve to generate new ideas to think more clearly because more of it is written down the next thing i would say is to break your goals down into bite-sized chunks so if you say i'm going to write a book that can be quite intimidating particularly if you've never written something 70,000 words long before so instead go i'm going to write this chapter or this scene or this paragraph or write this character description because the smaller you break it down and don't forget to reward yourself after that small section the less intimidating it becomes and the easier it is to stick to being accountable with your goals really helps as well and making sure that the goals are concrete we covered that i think in the second episode of the podcast back when definitely, we called the writer's group. definitely an episode of the podcast yeah <laughs> i think it was the second or third episode right at the start when we were still called the writer's cook but we talked about how to set the right kind of goals so if you haven't listened to that do give it a listen but i think being accountable and having people like know what you're committed to can make a massive difference if i hadn't said i'm going to publish what happens in new york on the 26th of may 2016 and made that very very public on facebook and telling all my friends and on twitter and all of that i easily could have got out of that but as soon as i hit that pre-order no even before the pre-order as soon as i organized the launch party in the february i couldn't get out of that and everyone was like, oh my gosh, she's for real. She's going to do this. And back then, before that, I was very much the kind of person who would half-ass things and not commit to things fully and not finish things. And what happens in New York was one of the first big projects I truly finished. And 
it changed me and it also changed the way people saw me. That makes sense. I think accountability goes a hell of a long way. That's why I like our little writing sessions and stuff, because I think sometimes if I hadn't planned to do writing with you or someone else in our quick group, I probably wouldn't have done it. I would have found something more important sometimes, which isn't really more important. Which ties nicely into the next point, which is to get into a routine. Maybe you're a morning person and you want to write before everyone else in the house is up or you like to do it after dinner like I do. Or maybe you do it before bed. Sometimes these kind of early morning or late night sessions are really good for turning off your inner editor and just writing the most creative stuff you've ever written, the most fun stuff, the most emotional stuff. So it's definitely worth giving a go. But find a routine that works for you, maybe even put it in your calendar, whether that's a digital one with a reminder or on a physical calendar that the people in your house can see so they know not to disturb you between six and seven or whenever your writing time is. And also, you need to be open to the idea that all of these different changes and changing the language you use to talk to yourself is also important. So the being open to something working for you and trying new things means it's more likely to work, you know, almost like a placebo. You think it'll work for you even when there's no active ingredients in it. Yeah, I love the placebo effect because even if you know something is a placebo, it will still work for you. And also 60% of the effectiveness of painkillers comes from the placebo effect. If you tell yourself expressive writing won't work, then it probably isn't going to work for you. I remember when I started my treatment program for my fibro and chronic fatigue syndrome. I was in a really dark place. I didn't know what to do. I could barely move or get out of bed. And I just had nothing left to lose. So I thought, fuck it, I'm going to give this a go. And because I was open to the idea that it could work for me, my brain was more likely to accept it and run with it. And it was more likely to work. Because it's not about believing that it will work and being optimistic. It is just about being open. If you shut the door and say, no, this is a load of bullshit, then it probably is going to be a load of bullshit for you. But if you are just open and accepting, then the world is full of possibilities. For me, it was really a case of if you've got nothing left to lose, why not? But I don't think you have to get to that point to have an open mind about what could or couldn't work. Of course. So just just going back to that thing you said about changing the language you use, I can say that definitely works because I remember I was in some kind of writing class, I can't remember exactly, and I said, oh, I, I want to be a writer. And the person running the class said, you're here, you're writing, you are a writer. And it was after that point that I started calling myself a writer. And again, you're just training yourself into that. And then there was a, a situation, I think I was at a wedding, and someone said to me, what do you do? And I went, oh, I'm a writer. And that was my instinct to say that. And it felt so good. Like I didn't even consciously think I'm going to tell them I'm a writer. Even though I work in IT support and they were probably just asking what job you do because that's normally what people mean. My brain just straight away went, I'm a writer. And it felt amazing. It felt amazing. And it does boost your confidence telling yourself that. It makes a difference what kind of language you use, doesn't it? It really does. And it's not just how you describe things. It's also your inner narrative. Like we said at the start, if you say, I can't do this, you probably can't. If you say, I'm going to do this, I will do this, I'm working towards this, they are much more open and accepting narratives that make a huge difference to how you perceive the world 
around you rather than just slamming the door in the face of opportunity and saying you can't do something or something won't work for you or any of those other negatives and it's even small things that I'd never considered before like instead of saying no problem say anytime or you're welcome because the word no is inherently a negative word and can subconsciously put your back up or the back up of the person you're talking to whereas you're welcome or anytime those kind of things they're much more open and positive and happy and welcoming and that can change your internal monologue and also how people perceive you. Definitely. I um, do this a lot of work because I try and stay positive on the phone. As I said, I'm in IT support and people can get quite irate and <laughs> annoyed when things aren't working. But I think staying positive, even in that very small aspect of my life, um, helps my job. And then doing so in terms of my writing life makes a huge difference. Absolutely huge difference. As usual, though, and I'm sure I've mentioned this in multiple different episodes, whoever you are spending time with has an impact on how your brain is programmed, right? Yeah. As Jim Rohn famously said, we are a product of the five people we spend the most time with. And during these times, I would also extend it to the five people we talk to the most. I think written communication still has a lot to say, as well as verbal, yeah, as well as video and in person. So you really want to surround yourself with people who are supportive. Even if they don't fully understand what you're doing, they know that you kick ass. And it also really helps you surround yourself with people who are as equally or more ambitious than you. Oh, yeah, definitely. When I started to get back into writing and invest time in improving my writing skills, I ended up spending more time around accomplished writers which meant instead of being around people that have no interest in writing a book or lack the ambition to do anything, even if they did want to, or lack the ambition to do anything with their lives at all, I was around people who were determined to write that book, who were determined to make it, to be successful. And that trains you to be like that too. If you're constantly immersing yourself around people, in people, no, not in people, if you're constantly... <laughs> If you're constantly immersing yourself in that kind of environment where people are determined to make it, your brain's going to think that's the normal and your brain's going to want to do that too because your brain is stupid. <laughs> it's stupid but clever at the same time, I think. Yes, I know exactly, yes. My boyfriend is incredibly ambitious and that does rub off on me, perhaps not in a typical way. Like I'm not ambitious towards a nine to five, but I am in terms of my writing and growing my writing business. And it really does help because you see the people who are the most successful and studies have proven this. I need to find links. I'm really bad at remembering links for resources. But people who are more optimistic sleep better and are also more successful in life. They get more promotions and they earn more money and they live longer. And I'm not saying I am Little Miss Optimistic. I am far from Little Miss Sunshine, but I'm trying not to be Little Miss Cynical because I don't want it to harm my mental health or the mental health of the people around me. And I don't want it to be detrimental to my business. Of course. Yeah. Optimism goes a long way. Absolutely. And also openness. Openness, I think, is the big takeaway from this week. You don't have to 100% go, this shit is going to work for me. You just have to be like, yeah, okay, I'll give it a shot and I will give it my all. And I hope it will get me the results that I want. Or maybe you'd be like, it will get me the results I want. Whichever way you want to look at it, but just be open to those possibilities. Mm, absolutely. What are your tips for reprogramming your brain for success writers? Let us know in our free Facebook group. You can check it out at writerscookbook.com forward slash Facebook group. And now it is time for our book of the week. 
book of the week. And I believe you've got our recommendation this week. I do. So referring back to uh, me talking about getting back into writing, one of the most important books in pushing me to do that was Depression and Other Magic Tricks by Sabrina Benham. So this is a book of poetry and Sabrina normally performs her poetry live as more of a, a spoken word performance. I'm tripping over all the easy words today. I actually discovered her book completely by chance. I saw a video of her performing, explaining my depression to my mother on Facebook, and it was so powerful, so moving, and just the imagery was beautiful, and it was really emotive. It was just fantastic. I I literally went and pre-ordered her book. I'd never heard of her before, but that video made me spend money (laughs) just for in like three minutes. Her performance was absolutely fantastic. And reading that kind of poetry where it's got beautiful imagery and just the the wording is fantastic and the way she describes things is so visceral that's what made me want to get into writing again not even necessarily poetry to be honest with you because I don't write that much poetry she is a fantastic performer I actually met her because she's she's from Canada but she performed in our local uh, Nottingham venue and she was just fantastic and I met her and she's tiny as well she's shorter than me which is just impressive She's just this little ball of magic. If you would like to nominate a book of the week, you can do so via Patreon. Simply drop us a message about the book that has inspired you. Maybe it's fiction, nonfiction, or poetry. Maybe it's changed your outlook on life. Maybe you just thought, damn, that's bloody good. Whatever it is, we want to hear about it and spread the word. So do let us know. Did you find this episode enlightening? Don't forget to hit that shiny, shiny subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. And don't forget to tell all of your friends about how awesome it is here too. Definitely. You never know who you could help. Speaking of helping, you can support The Writer's Mindset over on Patreon for less than your favourite coffee a month. Join our growing gang of writers to get early access to episodes, bonus episodes, and patron-only writing workshops when we hit our targets. Free Ellie hugs if they ever meet you. Oh, absolutely. I'm a big fan of hugs. Uh, Hit me up. Uh, Not if you don't like hugs, but if you like hugs, I am there for it. I don't do hugs, though. They're they're not my style. I mean, that's fair. I'll do all of your hugs. You're you're more of a wrestling bitch face type of person. I deny that, but... You can't deny the truth. Yeah, Millie takes after her owner. And on that note, we will see you next time. Keep writing.